Hello, I'm Niall Easton, and this is Fully Involved, a Unified Fire podcast. On today's show, we're doing part two of the great hack of 2021, the Kronos hack that affected so much of how we did payroll, how we do staffing. Part two today, we've got our staff captains with us. We've got Captain Chad Simons. How you doing? I am well, thank you. Good, and we've got Captain Brandon Brochard. How are you? Wonderful, Niall. Good, and co-hosting today, we got in Aaron Lance. How you doing, Aaron? Good, now. How you doing today? Good. Perfect. All right, gentlemen. So let's just flash back to this is mid-December. Who, from what we understood from Tony, Chad, you were actually, or Brandon, one of you was the first ones who really noticed something was wrong. Walk us through what happened. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll talk a little bit about being on call with staffing just to give everyone a little bit of heads up. So Chad and I take turns um, being on call for any staffing emergencies that come up or for people to call in sick or anything that comes up. We do the backfill. So even on the weekends, uh, we are involved in that. Chad does most of the call because his primary role is full-time. But every time I take the call, bad stuff happens, right? <laughs> it just well, seems Chad, that, Chad's it been seen that way. He knows how to work that. Has it yeah, seen that way, yeah. Chad? So I remember it Correct. was, uh, what, December 14th, right? I think is or the day. Or 12th. The 12th. Was it 12th? Something like It was a It was a Saturday. Saturday. It was a Saturday because I was at a, a Christmas party and had left my phone in the car. And I, because I wasn't on call back. So I go out to the car and pull my phone out of the glove box and... I think I had like 24 missed calls and about 19 text messages from Brandon. <laughs> yeah, I was Wonder, panicking. Oh, uh-oh, something's happened. But yeah, Telestaff went down completely completely offline. We had no idea why. Um, you know, that's happened to us in the past. Sometimes they'll do cloud updates or they'll do different things that we sometimes will have notice for, sometimes don't. But it's always a quick 10-minute thing. So it's, yeah, give us 10 minutes, we'll be back up and running. Uh this one went three months so yeah it was interesting um it was a day one shift so the first day and i forget which platoon it was but anyways we're actually it was i should have had my facts coming into this right (laughs) this would have been good we had it down but then i forgot anyways day one was starting on Sunday for whichever platoon was coming on. So I was taking sick calls Saturday night for Sunday, day one. Okay. And I bet I knew within 10 minutes of it all crashing that it was down because (laughs) I was in the middle of trying to get stuff staffed. And luckily, the people that called in sick for Sunday and Monday – I had already backfilled those spots. So I I had given constant mans out for Sunday and Monday. And I had an idea of what those days kind of looked like for Sunday and Monday. Uh, I believe I did take one other sick call for Sunday. But we kind of had the schedule figured out for the next couple of days. Just kind of a little bit of luck on our part we had that going for us but yeah within 10 minutes of it crashing we knew it we didn't know why 
and I was panicking, calling Chad, calling everyone. Go, I called uh, Chief Scardi was on duty, so that means it would have been B shift mm. <laughs> that started on Sunday. So, yeah, Chief Scardi, I, I asked him to help me a little bit, and uh, yeah, we got the next couple of days figured out. But then we can, like Chad was saying, we we didn't know if this would be a couple hours. We we assumed. This will be on any minute. Um, we had kind of assumed, at worst, we'll have this up by Monday morning. We'll mm-hmm. have this all figured out. Right. Right? <laughs> well, and the complicated, I mean, it's it's we're in a good spot now with COVID, kind of. Um, but back in December, we were in the middle of Omicron. It felt like everybody was having to take some time. So you guys were dealing with even some mandatories were different points in December. Um, it was a complicated scheduling period, I'm sure. But maybe back backpedal just a minute for those who aren't familiar. How are the two systems interconnected? Why would Kronos going down affect Telestaff? Well, Kronos is the parent company for Telestaff. So Telestaff is a staffing module for the Kronos group. Uh, when you say Kronos, we internally for us, Kronos means our payroll side. When in all reality, that's called Workforce Central. Um, so Kronos is the parent company that owns the Telestaff staffing program and the Workforce Central payroll program. For our department, not everybody that uses these programs is like this, but for us, Telestaff is everything. So our payroll is is generated from the, the schedule that we keep on Telestaff. Uh, the staffing office, we do all of that. Anybody that has extra time uh, that a captain forget to put, forgot to put on their time, we'll add that time because everything is populated automatically to their time card. So it's the parent company. So that going down affected everything, including our PCRs, our patient, patient care reports, because Telestaff populates the roster into our PCRs, which has you know the, the list of people that are dispatched on different calls. So... Um, just everything was automated and everything originates with Telestaff. So that going down truly did affect us department-wide. Now, some of that stuff was easy fixes. You know, the PCRs, uh, it's a 10 minutes extra work for the guys in the station to add their crew in for the day, you know, so you know who was on the call. But they have to do that then for each call. Whereas, you know, we're used to a lot of that stuff just being auto-populated, generated for us automatically. Um, so it was a big crash. And I think we knew... Either late Saturday night or early Sunday morning, uh, there was an email from the parent company saying, "Hey, this is a this is a hack job. This is a, this is a ransomware attack." Um, we had seen some reports, some history, where a couple ransomware attacks had had happened to some other companies. Um, I think like a week or two earlier, uh, the Amazon services or something was hit by it. Um, you know, some, some flaw in the programming that was pretty apparent for a lot of companies. So we got info from the company that this was a ransomware attack. I, I want to say early hours, Sunday morning, um, at which point we knew this was probably going to be a long term. Brandon and I jumped on the forums right away and there was all kinds of information. You know, people had claimed to their insider info that <laughs> this was going to be down for 12 years, you know, <laughs> No, nobody said years, but there was a lot that uh, a lot of people were saying, oh, you know, I know this isn't going to be a quick fix. And so we collaborated Sunday to come up with a plan. Just Because like I said, we relied on Telestaff for everything. 
Um, we made it through because we had the schedule mostly done for that Sunday, Monday. Uh, but we knew first shift coming up for, I guess it would be C platoon that Tuesday. We didn't have seats for people. You know, we didn't know where people were going to be. Uh, people are still getting sick. People are still calling off the day of. Um, people are working trades and, and different things. So, so it was. Uh, so it went from full automation to full manual. That's what I was wondering. So you're just basically writing it down or spreadsheeting this? Yeah. So luckily, um, or not luckily, maybe I don't know. Uh, we do keep a, a spreadsheet of bid assignments and personnel. Um, so I spent most of the day Sunday just building out our stations with the people that have bids. So the people that know they're going to a particular station. And then each platoon, obviously, we have rovers. You know, we have uh, two or three captain rovers. We have two or three engineer rovers. We have nine or ten paramedic rovers and, and like, you know, 10 to 12 firefighter rovers that go somewhere different every day. So um, on Sunday, I just spent the day Sunday building a spreadsheet with the people that had bids, and then I built uh, a section on the bottom that had the rovers all captured. So anywhere there wasn't a bid, it was just a blank space on the schedule. And and it's really just old-fashioned caveman style, mm-hmm. typing stuff onto a spreadsheet and posting it on the wall, right, is, is ended up how we ended up doing it. Because um, we had no idea. We didn't know how long it was going to be. We didn't have a backup in, in place. We didn't have... Um, anything that we could turn to. Uh, I, I, I joked with uh, with Chief Derner, with Brandon, that we needed to get Chief Brass and, and call up Mitzi Roderick to come back in, <laughs> and they'd have it done in no time because that was their job back before we had all the, the computer programming. <laughs> but but you got it figured out. But I imagine it was a lot of hours that first week. Uh, Brandon and I both put in a lot of hours. I think uh, December, January, we – it was a lot of hours just overall just keeping up with with staffing um i don't know how far ahead you want to jump but a little bit down the road we actually had a backup uh, software company offer us their programming that we ended up using and up, up until i want to say january 1st we were actually running both systems we were we were testing the one in the background while we used just a, a google drive spreadsheet as our main staffing document um, for that two-week period so how labor intense was it to get that one up and going there was a lot into that before we even talk about that i I just want to talk about that um that monday morning yeah (laughs) like like chad said he worked a lot on on sunday and just to speak to some of the hours i know that he worked like he worked all day sunday and we both came in, I believe it was like four o'clock in the morning on Monday. <laughs> and we're just, it's funny because I was a, I was a little panicked because we couldn't look up people's phone numbers. We had no idea. We just used Telestaff and we still use Telestaff for everything. Yeah. To contact our people, to send out notifications, accrual information, vacation, sick leave, all of that information that is so vital to what Chad and I do in the staffing office and for all the firefighters out there to know where they go, you know, how, what seat they're going to be sitting in for the next round, it's, it was just all gone. So uh, command staff, I want to talk about, they pulled in a lot of the stakeholders in this crash. So 
they pulled Chad and I in, Chief Dern, obviously, and uh, finance as well. And I know you spoke with them, uh, and that's part one of this podcast. I want to speak a little bit to how, like, I was panicking a little bit. <laughs> like, just, and I thought, finance is going to be a mess. Like, I'm a fireman. I'm used to emergencies, right? I'll, I'll be just fine. I can handle a crash like this. They were so cool, calm, and collected. They had a great backup Organized, plan. Yeah. I, I cannot believe we all got paid. I don't know how they did it. Honestly, it feels kind of like magic. And part of it, and staffing too, a lot of that magic was Chad building that spreadsheet and sharing that spreadsheet making it viewable for all the firefighters to be able to see okay now i know where i'm gonna be and that happened within i mean it was probably 18 hours straight of work (laughs) on chad's part building that spreadsheet and i I don't know it it, i'm having ptsd just talking about this this time in my life brandon Brandon's making it sound a lot better than than it was what were some of the biggest challenges that first week as, as you rolled into it? Uh, really the communication piece. Like, you know, we, like Brandon mentioned, phone numbers, everything is stored in Telestaff. I mean, between the two of us, we had maybe two-thirds of the department in our phones just from the handful of people that we had communicated with over the years and or worked with, you know, you save phone numbers. So, But there was still a handful that we didn't have, and then we were trying to figure out how to notify people. Um, you know, everything's automated on telestaff that really saves us a lot of time at night. Mm-hmm. Um, when it's not automated and you have to make all these calls for these overtime shifts, and that adds a lot of hours to our day. Um, but it got to be, yeah. everyone really stepped up as well, as far as the department goes. Like everyone realized, hey, we know what we're used to. We know that this isn't going to be that way for a while. And they really kind of rolled with it for us. Um, were you, you were already in days, right? You weren't in the field. I was going to maybe get your perspective. Yeah, Aaron, no, I already, was already in days. It, it might have been nice to have a field perspective person in here. But, uh, you know, we threw that spreadsheet up and then just getting that link out to all the stations, using the battalion chiefs to communicate to the captains. That really helps us because we have that chain of command that I think really helped us in this regard because Brandon and I were able to talk to one or two people and then they were able to disseminate it to everybody else. And everybody jumped right in and rolled with the punches. You know, we we got people into spots where they needed to be. Everyone knew just, hey, check the Google Drive document. It's going to change. It's not what you're used to. Be patient with us and, and just kind of go with it from there. Um, you know, we... we color-coded it we started to get a a few advanced features going realizing this was going to be a long-term thing so that first week we really you know refined it down to what it needed to be um later in the week we started getting the calls well you know because we do the schedule two weeks in advance we try to keep it two weeks out so that whole schedule for two weeks was lost and gone into the shutdown of telestaff so there were people that had signed up and that had already been assigned constant man shifts or people that had uh, recorded trades or just different stuff that because like we've said multiple times we use telestaff for everything um so people were really flexible you know it's it's yeah you may have had a constant man on saturday but we don't know who that was and mm. 
we got to get seats filled and we put somebody else in that seat and people rolled with it for the most part. Um, you know, we had people saying, Hey, what about this? I had a constant man scheduled for, you know, December 25th or whatever. And, and, uh, it's like, well, you know, somebody else signed up and a lot of that was just manual. Everyone was emailing us saying I'm available for this day, this day, this day. And, and we just kept all that in the background just as a manual, uh, uh, honestly a, a pen and paper crossing it off of the, of the list when we put somebody in a seat. Uh, a lot of work, but we, we managed it for that first week until we were able to to implement a backup program. Yeah, and, and, and like Chad was saying, the other thing that we realized within probably midway or towards the end of that week of using the spreadsheet, it was very time-consuming, and it would be hard to keep up for if we were down for an extended period of time. And that's when we were told from Kronos, you're going to be down for an extended period of time. <laughs> mm-hmm. So uh, we were tasked uh, from command staff to come up with maybe a, a temporary solution. And we reached out to a few different companies. And one company in particular, Vector Solutions, who we use for our LMS and check it, so our narcotics tracking. They have a scheduling platform as well, and they offered that to us free of charge, which is amazing. And uh, we we had to work through that a little bit. <laughs> so to how figure far along did this happen? I think within that first week. Oh, really? We knew we were going to have to find something. Yeah, because we weren't getting any real time frame from Kronos. Correct. Yeah, they're all over the place. It was the end of the first week that we realized that there was a, a schedule module in a program that we already had implemented. And, and luckily enough, all of our people were, were pretty much entered in there already. So we had mm. names, info, and contact information for a lot of people. Um, Brandon created an assignment pretty quick to get out for people to go in and, and enter their info so that we could then start using that for, for the staffing piece. And this is where Brandon put in the extra hours because we, we didn't know Vector. We didn't know how to use it. We didn't know how to program it. We had a, a meeting with West Valley City that uses Vector for their day-to-day scheduling. And so we were able to get a you know a two-hour tutorial from them. And then Brandon came home from that and, and spent that first weekend and totally built our department into Vector. So by the time we came back Monday, Brandon had the whole dashboard established and, and up and moving and and uh, everyone in the background, you know, that, that first week. Um, you mentioned it earlier, one big concern that we didn't even really consider initially was, you know, how are we going to get paid? Like that first payday, and just ironically, it's Christmas, right? The yeah. week before Christmas. I know payroll, they may have talked about it on their podcast, but just the, the getting people paid for that Christmas paycheck that, that people were expecting. And then after that, the whole W-2 thing, right? Like all of our tax information is stored in Kronos, everything that people needed to do their taxes. And I know payroll had a, had a lot of work, a lot of long hours Getting making sure that, that up, stuff yeah. was, was up and running. But, um, you know, backing up to after that first week, we ran completely manual for that first week. Uh, we kept that spreadsheet going on Google Drive, and it, it worked pretty well. Um, it got pretty cumbersome, you know, recording people's trades and and people's leave time and 
and extra hours and and uh, we were able to to push a lot of that stuff off onto the paper time cards and saying paper time cards to the field is is like what <laughs> I have to document my stuff again you know and, uh you know it's, it's, it's a different transition to think back well i don't remember what i what i did because i it's all recorded in telestaff you know and and even our hours you know we enter our own hours uh, even remembering what i had worked the week before it went down like i, I felt bad putting in my time we had vacation draw that week before so everyone's vacation was entered into telestaff that then went down um you know and so we're we're approaching the first of january at this point we had vector solutions running in the background we had the google spreadsheet running as the primary document um then we start thinking about well accountability you know we use telestaff for accountability if we had something happen on a scene where we lost an engine company you know we all these things that we come to rely on that, that we don't really think about and you know, granted, BCs have that accountability responsibility. The captains do as well. But just all these little things that we never thought about. We do ambulance rotations. You know, our, our people that have bids at the stations rotate between the heavy apparatus and the ambulance. That was all tracked in, in Target Solutions, or sorry, in, uh, in Telestaff, not Target Solutions. So we couldn't track that anymore. You know, so we have these rovers that, that every other day of the year, we try to keep track of how much they work on an ambulance and and schedule them on a heavy apparatus now and then. And now we're just like scrambling to fill seats, right? So there's just so many things that we took for granted that, you know, how these rotations worked and how we were going to schedule people and, you know, shift trades and everything that we document in there that we never really considered. That that, that started as the problem went on, that started to surface that we really needed a solution for. So I was just going to mention one other thing that was, pretty key and it came out from command staff there was good communications to the department about what was happening and one of those key pieces was all staffing policies were suspended so chad and i didn't have a rule book anymore so (laughs) we got western we could do whatever we wanted which is not a good thing probably like but there there were some really really good lessons learned our policies um the way our policies were written which we have since started to change have kind of handcuffed us a little bit and we'll talk probably more about that but that's just an important note that our staffing policies were completely suspended and it was emergency mode so well that's a good segue so lessons learned that was one of them what else Lessons learned. You know, we we didn't have any. So we get a daily email from Telestaff that emails us what the schedule is at seven fifteen, a snapshot in time. What we didn't have that that we've since looked into building is, you know, we build the schedule out in advance. What we need is a snapshot of the future time as it is, and we know that that changes day to day with sick leave or injuries, you know, or shift trades. But it would have been really helpful to have something that looked out ahead to say, hey, this is this is what the schedule was as of, you know, December 1st for the 14th. That would have saved us a lot of work, you know, in the crash. Um, you know, the big thing that made this successful, and I think overall I think we were pretty successful under the circumstances, you know, our, our, our computer system that we rely on everything for went down for three months, uh, but there wasn't even a hiccup in, in service delivery. And I think that goes a lot to say 
that says a lot for the guys in the field, just being able to roll with the punches, uh, especially from our end. Like we did not hear, you know, that many complaints. There was a couple things here and there, very small things that were quickly resolved. Um, but our, our people, our members just, they took it and they ran with it and they made it work. So the public probably has no idea that we were all scrambling in the background, right? They, they have no idea that our scheduling was down, that we weren't sure if we were getting paid that month yeah. and that we weren't sure if we were all going to be able to do our taxes on time, right? Yep. Um, they have no idea because our stations, our battalion chiefs, our captains, and even, you know, down to our, to our, you know, brand new members, they all just took it, they accepted it and they ran with it and they did their job. And there was extra work for them too. Like I mentioned, they had to manually enter every single emergency call that we went on. Somebody in the station had to manually enter stuff that was typically auto-populated. Uh, and there's a lot of auto-population stuff that happens that was no more. So, you know, we could have heard a lot about that. We could have heard a lot of complaining, a lot of griping, a lot of discontent, but everyone just took it and ran with it. And it made, it made our job easier on our end because a lot of the small stuff that we do deal with on a regular basis kind of stopped when we were dealing with the big stuff. Um, so I think that was super helpful. And that's, you know, where the real credit lies, in my opinion. Yeah, Chad said something that kind of just sparked in my head. The staffing policies were suspended, but the one thing that command staff said is we need to be fully staffed. We need to, we've promised the stakeholders we will maintain our staffing levels, and we did it. I mean, we did. We never dropped below our minimums throughout this entire crash. Um, so even with kind of being in an emergency in the middle of Omicron, yeah, yeah, that's, that's right. Volumes it, to our people, exactly, and, and it speaks speaks to what Chad's saying. Our people stepped up and and filled shifts, and we had a lot of people sick. We had Christmas time. It was just. There was a lot going on, and our people really stepped up. And yeah, I and mean, did it really couldn't job. have happened at a worse time, and yet we got through it. And uh, we'll probably talk about this, but we also did not mandatory staff throughout the entire crash. Oh wow, pretty crazy. Well, so you're trying out this other system. So going forward. Where are you guys at? Did you like what you got out of that other system? Or are you just glad to have telestaff back? What's what's the future holding for staffing? You know, interestingly, um, when telestaff came back up, it was the same amount of work as when it went down. Um, because we weren't in a position to do something different at that point. So we, when telestaff came back up and was functioning again, we had to go back and capture all of that data back into telestaff as if we were using it while yeah. it happened, right? And that's what payroll needed us to do. Uh, and that that was an equal amount, if not more work. And we brought extra people into the office for that maybe a two-week, 10-day period. Some of the people that had been you know, injured or whatever that were on light-duty assignments, we, we brought them in for data entry. And it was, uh, it was about 10 to 12 days of just all-day work for them to – to put back in from the records we had maintained to put that back in to tell us staff going back to the moment it crashed up until when we were going to use a uh, tell staff once again. Um, 
but yeah, it was, uh, it was interestingly a lot of work on both ends. Uh, but going forward, you know, we, we, we learned a lot of things, you know, we've had telestaff or its equivalent for 15 years or more. Uh, the program we used before was bought by Kronos and became telestaff. So we've had a lot of years of rules that we've been entered, just mm-hmm. the the rules that happen in the background to make the functionality what it is today. Uh, it mirrors our policies. You know, we're able to create a lot of rules that that come from the policies that are created. And, you know, over 15 years, there's a lot that goes in there. It's It's kind of that situation where you take the red pill because of what the green pill does to you, right? Um, so I think that was a big lesson for us is just learning that, man, we have so many policies and rules that short of contradicting each other, they really, they really conflict with each other a lot. Or, or we have one policy written just because of the rule in this policy over here. And it was nice to suspend the policies, at least from our end of things, because it saved a lot of time when there was a lot of time that we had to spend doing other things that were normally manual or that were normally automatic things that we had to then do manually. It was nice to not have to worry about some of the stuff that we do every day uh, when, you know, when there's vacancies that occur and following certain rule sets and, and hours. And I know that some of the fairness went away with that, that it became kind of a first come first serve basis for people that, that want the overtime where, Normally, those positions would be offered to people with fewer hours and people with with more hours got a little extra work and, you know, some other things like that. But I think overall, uh, it was nice to be able to suspend the policies. And what we learned is that we do need to go through and and just give a really good edit of our policies, which we've been working on, um, at least internally in the staffing office. Brandon and I have gone through them and we'll be uh, taking those to the to the appropriate groups here soon. To, to get their backing on that and to really, I think, really simplify some of the some of the policies that we have. So that cleaning it up a bit. Yeah. What else? What other takeaways? You know, I think uh, I say that we learned. I mean, we knew this, but it was it's one of those things you just kind of know. We don't really care about, but we we learned that there's a lot of other options besides telestaff that might meet our needs. Whereas, you know, I think if you would have asked us, you know, the first of December about any different programs, the answer would be like, oh, you know, we can't get away from telestaff. We, we rely on that too much. It's like, it's everything. It's like our backbone to everything else we do. And I think that uh, this taught us that there are other options and, you know, there's pros and cons to, to both that we're, we're kind of weeding through to see what's going to best fit our needs. And uh, so I don't know. Maybe telestaff isn't our our end all be all in, in the in the long run. But so this is something you're actively looking at is telestaff the actual platform that best suits us. Um, and now that we've seen vector solutions, we know that there are others out there. And where does the future hold for staffing? We're looking at different platforms moving forward. I don't know if the word active is appropriate. Like we're not necessarily seeking anything differently right now. We just know that it's a possibility. Whereas before maybe we felt handcuffed to tell a staff because of the history, you know, everything that's in there, all of the backlogging, the programming that we have that that's all recorded in tell a staff. It made us 
you know, feel committed to it yeah, without wanting to be committed. It. Dependent. That's a yeah. better word. Yeah. Um, so now we know that, you know what, maybe we'd be okay. Like stepping out of the, the telestaff realm and, you know, if we had to, or, you know, it, it makes it a more competitive atmosphere, I think. And where telestaff isn't a monopoly where we felt like it was before that, that, you know, maybe, maybe other companies can compete for our services or to offer us different different ideas so is there moving forward like now so when telestaff went down you know it was that panic moment of what do we do going back to paper everything scheduled time card is there an electronic backup currently that staying up to date with your changes to telestaff that way if anything should happen tomorrow those future schedules that you have already built are seen and you can work off of those well so yes and no so if telestaff went down again tonight we could easily jump back into vector scheduling and it's it's built and we could turn it on a lot quicker you know we'd maybe maybe a day of a spreadsheet before we could get that back and going i actually spent the month of march i did the whole schedule for march guys may have noticed in the field the schedule was done uh, maybe march 2nd or 3rd for the entire month and the intent of that was I was playing with some backup things to see if there was some rules that could be built in Telestaff to take a snapshot of, of time, you know, and, and look a month ahead. Um, I haven't found anything I like that it's doing well. And because we change so much, I'm trying to decide how helpful, and it's just me right now, just internally me doing it, right? Um, just trying to figure out how helpful it would be to really have that just because of our changes. Um, you know, we sick leave that happens the day before you know right. we never know we have we have long-term injuries we have people that heal from long-term injuries sooner than projected or they get cleared sooner or you know um resignation so uh, it's hard to decide how much really we want to build out on that um i don't know brandon might have some thoughts on that but it's kind of up in the air that that was my intent i'm not going to do the schedule a month in advance going forward <laughs> Um, we're going to stick to that, you know, 10, 10 days to two weeks out thing. Cause it was a lot of work to, to build out a month, a month in advance. But the reason that was done in March was for that purpose. I was, I was playing with some programming on the back end to see if we could have our, our schedule captured. And so, yeah, the issue we ran into is, is just a lot of data that gets thrown at us when we take a snapshot out of, you know, weeks in advance. Right. But to answer your question, we are looking, Chad and I are always, we're worried about this happening again <laughs> and not being ready to see what a couple weeks ahead looks like. So yeah, Chad has been working on on that. We're trying to find a good solution and it's, it's up in the air. We're still doing some research, but that is a lesson learned from, from this is we, we have to have a good backup plan and we, we do now, not just vector, but the spreadsheet idea, it's, we still have it built somewhere. We can make it, we could get that going pretty quickly too. So we have an idea of what, if we have to go into emergency mode again, we, we have a, a backup plan now where we were kind of scrambling there for that, a minute. That groundwork, that foundation is built now to where you have something to build off of versus in December, that foundation wasn't even there, wasn't even thought about. Exactly. 
Do you notice any ease or difference between filling those vacancies using vector solution versus target or uh, telestaff? Yeah, there's some real differences. Um, you know, I like that when there's not an active pick list, you can just blast it out to everybody. Everyone gets an equal chance at the shift to get that shift filled. That works a lot better in vector than in telestaff right now. Um, telestaff still ticks through person by person and it, and it can take time. Um, so I did like that part of vector, especially that part. Vector didn't have pick lists. You know, that was one of the rules we suspended. There wasn't really a way to sign up. There, there was, but it was a pretty detailed and pretty comprehensive and, and really advanced way to do it. What Vector had was you, you put down anti-sign-up days like that we're used to that just says you can't work. Well, the problem with that is, is anti-sign-up means something different to us. That's for our mandatory, right? And so Vector did not have a way. You cannot exclude yourself from a mandatory shift on Vector. Uh, you know, so, so with Telestaff, you can, um, so just a couple of things like that, some terminology differences, uh, and part of it might be that we were given a free version of vector, right? right. We didn't have tech support. We've used Telestaff for 15 years and we know Telestaff inside and out. So maybe vector does all this as well. We just did not know vector well enough. You know, we were in emergency mode. We were just trying to get stuff staffed and, and, and fixed. So now that we have time, now that we can go through some of our processes, you know, we, just like I said, we know we're not handcuffed to telestaff. So there's other options out there, you know, and if command staff wants to look at other programs or other things to do it, uh, we know that it's a doable thing for us. So were you guys like building a list of what to evaluate or look at going forward? Cause I'm sure there's more. Yeah. I, I don't want to speak out of place because we are doing our homework. Um, we're not looking to leave telestaff necessarily, right. like Chad was saying, but we are looking to see if we're trying to make scheduling better for everybody, right? We we saw some really positive things with Vector, and kind of to answer your question earlier, we did find that there were some things we didn't like as much with Vector, but there were some really positive things with that program. So we're doing our homework. Um, we we just wrote right before this podcast. We we actually have a meeting with with Vector coming up, and we're writing pros and cons of Telestaff, pros and cons of Vector from our side. Um, so we're trying to get ready for this meeting. Just to, like Chad said, we're doing our homework and making sure that. We just we want to make sure that when we're staffing that we're we're doing it that works for, better for everybody, and uh, try to make things more automated too. That's one thing that Chief Dern really wants out of the staffing office is taking the human out of it as much as we can and automating things to make life easier for everybody. That uh, makes sense. Well, gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us. Um, I, we could probably keep going, but uh, pe I mean, gosh, we already did a bunch with the last one. So really appreciate you coming in to talk through this today. I hope it doesn't happen again. It probably will at some point. That seems to be the way all these systems go now, where the hackers are figuring out ways to get in there and, and cause chaos. Um, as I understand it, we weren't the only, there were other fire departments that were affected by this. Is that right? 
Oh, yeah, not just fire departments. There's hospital networks. There's a lot of people use Kronos out there. There. So we are one customer. We're counted as one customer. You know, so us and our 650 employees is one customer. Kronos had something like 1,400 customers wow. affected. Um, one <clears throat> that I happen to know is a major. I don't know what it is, but there's a major hospital network somewhere um, in the Midwest that extends into the Southeast something like 18,000 employees that were affected. Wow. Uh, and this is just off the forums. I haven't, you know, validated any info, but just reading the forums of people experiencing stuff that they went through. I know Boise Fire uh, does it as well. Have you uh, talked some of the to banks some of around about here. what they've learned and compared notes? Maybe we need a support group, the Kronos Hack support group. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I actually, like Chad was just mentioning, the Boise Fire Department, we met them at a conference, kind of hung out with those those folks a little bit and I spoke with them they were in panic mode as well up there and they were doing a spreadsheet for staffing inter- interestingly enough so interesting the yeah. U of U network here they use it for payroll I don't think they use it for their staffing side but they were all in a payroll panic uh, a guy in my neighborhood works for uh, Zions Bank Zions Bank uses it for their payroll side I might I've misspoke. I can't. I don't know if it's Zion's actually. He works for a bank somewhere in the in the Salt Lake Valley, and their their banking software uses Kronos. Um, you know, so we we you know we talked just walking around the neighborhood about W two issues and how they yeah. were concerned about getting their W twos out on time. And so yeah, it was a it's a big outage. It happened to a lot of people. So however many individuals there, you know, fifteen hundred plus customers is affected by. Yeah, it's amazing. Well, I'm glad we got through it. Appreciate your work and helping everybody and, of course, the field's willingness to just adapt and go. We seem to be pretty good at handling these kind of situations. We kind of shine, in fact. So thank you, gentlemen. Really appreciate it. For Aaron Lance, I'm Niall Easton. Until next time, this has been Fully Involved. 